We're back. We're visiting with Joseph Bosco, a former senior official in the Defense Department uh, with responsibility for policy towards communist China. And Joe, uh, you were talking about one of the things that um, has probably been impressed upon Xi rather dramatically in the aftermath of uh, Xi Xi Jinping's friend, Vladimir Putin, and his invasion of Ukraine, namely that the West has uh, responded uh, rather formidably in a unified manner, uh, particularly imposing some rather draconian economic costs on Russia. Um, So how is that factoring into uh, Xi's calculation, would you say? And to what extent do you think it's actually strengthened one of uh, both his and Putin's agendas, which has been to um, break the dollar as the reserve currency of the world? Well, there's no doubt that the West has been uh, united on the economic front, the economic sanctions front. But I think we have to temper our, our enthusiasm there a bit, because in terms of the military situation within Ukraine and what the West has prepared to do about it, it's a sad picture. Whatever, whatever punishment Putin and his regime are, are paying or taking in, uh, in Russia, Ukraine's paying a heck of a price, and they are gradually losing sovereignty over certain parts of the country. Granted, there's some counteroffensives now. Let's hope they succeed. But, but overall, it's a, it's a sad plight when you think of the fact that 14 years ago in 2008, after uh, around the time that they had invaded Georgia, the NATO and the United States pledged that Georgia and Ukraine would be become would become members of NATO. Fourteen years have passed. We've slow walked that, and Putin has now seen his opportunity to take advantage of it. So militarily, if you analogize it to Taiwan, sure, the U.S. and the West can be expected to do all kinds of things economically against China if they move against Taiwan. But will we use force? That's still the question. Strategic ambiguity is still at play. We refuse to say we will defend Taiwan. That, in answer to your question, is the ultimate answer to to deter China, to let them know that they will be incurring military force of the West if they attack Taiwan. You've written frequently at The Hill about this topic, Joe, and I think have been very... uh, clear and and persuasive, uh, to my way of thinking at least, about the importance of moving past that strategic ambiguity, um, making, as you said just now, um, clear that we will defend them. Uh, Another takeaway, it seems to me, in terms of what U.S. policy should be at the moment from the Ukraine debacle is we should be providing the defensive equipment to Taiwan that it needs to defend itself now, not trying to figure out how to get it in there after an attack has begun. Uh, Would you agree with that? And if so, what kinds of capabilities do you think should be at the forefront in terms of such uh, arming of Taiwan? Well, you're certainly right that that we should be doing that now, and we are doing it. I mean, we've been doing it uh, for the last 20 years, but it's certainly significantly increased under the Trump administration. And fortunately, the Biden people have been following Trump's policies on uh, getting closer to strategic clarity and defending uh, and providing the defenses for Taiwan. Uh, there's a lot of things. I mean, there, there's there's the jet fighters. We haven't given them the most advanced systems available, even though we provide it to 
say, Saudi Arabia and other places, uh, we should be providing those kinds of things to Taiwan, as well as all the anti-air and, and anti-missile systems that we, we have available. We're still not providing to Ukraine the most sophisticated systems we have. And so China may be looking at that, too, and thinking, well, the U.S. may make a, an effort, a, a show of uh, providing Taiwan with defenses, but in fact, they won't give them the most potent weapons they have. And that works to China's advantage in, in terms of its planning. It does. Um, Joe, this is taking place against the backdrop of some other steps. You, you mentioned uh, the possibility that the Chinese might try to seize some islands off their coast that uh, the Taiwanese uh, are responsible for at the moment. Uh, but we've watched them moving inexorably elsewhere in the South China Sea. Notably, they've now apparently fully militarized uh, some of the bastions that they've created out there, having promised not to do that. Um, there's also now a very troubling deal, and we're going to be talking more about it in the days to come, I think, um, with respect to the Solomon Islands, a place where an awful lot of American blood was spilled in World War II to uh, wrest those from the Japanese strategic uh, islands. Um, talk a little bit about what the Chinese are doing uh, with this, uh, well, to coin a phrase, highland hopping exercise in the Pacific and its implications for Taiwan and our interests in the region. Yeah, they're uh, they're being very clever strategically. They're they're not focusing only on Taiwan. Uh, they they see the entire Indo-Pacific as as their home domain, and they will counter U.S. moves wherever they can. And the Solomons have presented a new opportunity: the whole Belt and Road Initiative, where they get economic inroads into these places and provide uh, resources for the countries that do recognize Taiwan to change their, their recognition. It's a multi-dimensional, uh, multi-faceted approach. It's military, it's economic, it's diplomatic, political. Uh, so they're, they're playing every card they can uh, in every place they can, in every region of the world, South America, Europe, uh, the Indo-Pacific, obviously. So it's a, it's, it's a comprehensive strategy, they think, over years and decades. We tend to think in much shorter terms. And the strategy has worked now for Russia and Ukraine to a certain extent, and uh, China will probably follow the same pattern as it has in the past and in the Indo-Pacific. Yeah. Joe, this point about the Belt and Road Initiative and its strategic purposes is, is so important. I'd like to get you back to talk about that at greater length, because I think, as you say, the sheer comprehensiveness of it is staggering. Uh, as I recall, we did a study of this, uh, our Committee on the Present Danger China last summer, 145 countries or so out of uh, 190 are now part of that, uh, well, in industrial grade um, infrastructure build out colonial empire, uh, if you will, in the making. And uh, it's of huge strategic significance, not just in, of course, uh, the Western Pacific, but worldwide. We'll be back to talk to with you about that in the near future. Thank you, sir. And thanks to the rest of you for joining us for this edition of Securing America. I hope you feel better equipped to do that and that you'll join us at securingamerica.tv to learn more about what and how you can help protect the country we love against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And then I hope you'll go forth and multiply.